Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Jim, this is a very serious occasion. Yes, yes, it is. So, um, since our last episode, Gearfest is officially not happening as a physical event. <sighs> uh, I didn't even have to hurt my ankle. Yeah, I don't even know what is going on <laughs> this year with Gearfest. It's going to be a virtual event. I'm sure they're still doing the education. I don't know what the deals and stuff are going to be like. I don't know if they're going to try to do something in the fall um, to compensate and have like a deal tent. Or something like that. But uh yeah, so Gearfest isn't happening. It's lame. I had to cancel the um the Airbnb and everything and like it's I refunded everybody their money. Everybody's got their money already. Yep. The um I had I kicked in some of their money out of our Patreon funds. We had enough money left that I was considering buying a webcam to improve the show by actually starting to do video podcasting. Uh, except that you can't get anything like that right now, um, due to demand and nobody making them, um, because China is, you know, in trouble as well. Uh, you can't get anything like that right now, except if you want to buy something like a Sony a seven, um, you can buy a really expensive DSLR, uh, which I don't think makes a whole lot of sense. Um, Unless we get a buttload of Patreon money. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to give us enough money to buy a Sony A7, I mean, they're only a grand, no. so. Um, I, and we I, are not asking. <laughs> no, I'm completely facetious. Actually, if anything, um, so I've been considering where to use that Patreon money because I do want to do something with it. Um, I want to start producing some content for the show interim, and since my, my condo is now kind of put together, I can start doing some filming. Um, and I've got, actually, I have one thing I need to film right now, and that is the uh, Jason Fuzzmonger a long time ago. And if you're a long time show listener, you probably know this. He sent me a creepy face, creepy fingers, fuzz face, uh, style, uh, fuzz pedal that I need to get back to him. So I'm going to shoot this demo, hopefully this weekend. Um, it's going to be in the next couple of days. We're going to do that. And then I found out something this morning that was really, really interesting. And I'm going to try to like finagle something to make it work because i obviously don't have all the money for it but um i can get a king of tone uh my wait list came up two years ago 
And I reached out to Analog Man, and he said, "No, once you once you're at the top of the list, you're at the top of the list. You can always go back, even if you didn't order it." Oh wow! So I'm probably going to get a King of Tone for a show demo. Um, that means I got to come up with a eh, hundred bucks or so, uh, depending on what I spec. But basically, I think it's going to happen, uh, and I think I'm going to shoot a lot of demo material with it. I want to do some drive shootouts. Um, just talking about the various styles of drive. I know all of this stuff already exists from across the pond with the guys at that pedal show, but I don't want to make 30 minute episodes where I'm a snob. Um, so I think it would be more interesting to get, you know, like three basic drive pedals, um, and kind of like just shoot them out and talk about like what the differences are, or maybe do something like show the difference between drive fuzz and distortion, um, which a lot of people say is just gain level differences, but it's, I would argue that's probably not that's not com- completely encompassing of that conversation. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, didn't have time to hit the mute button on that one. Sorry, folks. Uh, but yeah, that that's that's kind of what I got going on right now. I got to figure that out. I have some pedals to send to people like Jim, and uh, I have some stuff to attend to in the Patreon group. Um, Jim's money might actually assist in helping me get that. Uh, uh, king of tone so um i do intend on keeping that king of tone um i'm not the guy that thinks that you should buy a pedal and and try it out and then flip it for 500 bucks on reverb like everybody else does the king of tone but um i mean if you do that fine um more power to you i just uh i feel like if i'm gonna buy it i would rather have it in a bin for the studio for the show like on down the road maybe we can pull it out and use it for something um but yeah so there's that and uh jim you got something going on right i mean uh there's that guitar that we've been talking about for a month yep we're gonna do the giveaway i'm gonna do it right now he's gonna do it right now folks i've got my bowl of names right here rattle it rattle it yeah good yep rattling it good i can so here's i'm gonna read the thing off and i'll rattle them again i'm gonna read the list of people um one of the things i want to um stress is those for who are listening who may be expecting. Remember, if you didn't send a video, you don't, it doesn't count. So one of the things that was happening was we had it in the rules that you had to make a video. And the first few people that responded without videos, I said, make a video, make a video. And only one of the people I said, don't forget to make a video, made a video. So I stopped, I stopped reminding people because if you can't read the rules, you can't understand the rules, you can't play a guitar. I mean, let's just face it. You were just looking to to get it in to sell it. Score I don't know what it was. Score something free. But you didn't want to tell us why why you wanted it. So as before you do that, a lot of these people send in sob stories too. It's like, oh, well, this is happening to me and this is happening to me. Listen, why couldn't you do it in front of the camera? I know you got a cell phone. Everybody has a cell phone. Anybody could have done this. Yeah. How about that cell phone you're using right now to send this sob story? All right. So, all right. I'm shaking this thing up while I talk. Here are the 17 people that got their names in. I should read the webcam. Your chances are pretty good, folks. Chris Morgan, Timothy Minnick, Dan Kish. I hope I said Minnick right. Dan Kish, Andrew Peterson, Greg Dodd, Stephen Conradi, Tommy Hebert, Michael Tucker, Duke Sexton, Zach Jordan, James Van Valkenburg. I think that was a senior. Mike Schmidt. Um, Howard Brown, Charles Watson, Cody Brunner, Mike Freed, and Jason Wilcox. And I can't believe I can read my own writing. 
All right, here we go. I put the first names in um, and only put a last uh, last initial if I didn't if you knew uh, who they were. Yeah, because they're all except for two mics. Everybody's got a different first name, so that was pretty easy. All right. No, I should probably grab where the Jim is being Jim is being good. I've got it away over my head, folks. I'm reaching through the webcam to grab it now. All right. Okay, I'm showing him the name. Okay, go for it. The name is Andrew. So Andrew, hold on. Andrew Peterson. Andrew Peterson, you're the winner. Nice work, Andrew. Congratulations. We'll get the guitar right. to you as soon as possible. Yep. We'll um, get this in a box and get it out to you. You'll have to, uh, yeah, we'll have to reach out to him and get his uh, his address and all that. Yep. Yep. So thanks, everybody, for entering. Um, Thank you, Jim, for putting up the guitar for the podcast. Uh, we appreciate all of our supporters, everybody. If you're not in the Facebook group, please join the Facebook group. Listen to our episodes in the community that we support and we've created to basically make Jim and I feel special. <laughs> yeah. For ourselves. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, the truth is me and Jim are both these people that don't really appreciate celebrity worship in any way. So yeah. we try to do and the we don't most do we it. can to not be celebrities. Because <laughs> um, the last thing we want is is a celebrity on the inside or on the outside. We just don't care. Yeah. I Next mean, we year, enjoy. Yeah, go ahead. Next month, we're going to make the rules a little different. We're going to reward people who listen to the show a little bit differently. Um, yep. I'm looking to put something in the pot that's going to sweeten the pot a bit. I don't know what yet. Um, it's it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And it may be we something also, as simple as a couple sets of strings or something. But Yeah, I also want to start doing something special uh, for the people to become Patreons, um, depending on the level. you know. Because uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I understand that things are tight. There was uh, – speaking of – of um, spoiled brat celebrities, there was a young lady who um, uh, just got um, her, uh, I guess her hand slapped. If it's a nice way to say it um, <laughs> for, for um, the fact that uh, she was sitting there um, poor. What do they call it? Um, uh, making fun of people who are too poor to be able to afford her Patreon. She said, if you can't afford to pay for my streams, you don't, you don't deserve to watch my streams. And um, then they had a, another young lady, and it was mostly girls, by the way. Matter of fact, I didn't see a single male that was doing this. Not that, not that I'm sure there is if a male. If you can't doing afford it. it, you need to get out and get a job so you can afford it. Yeah, and that was the, the thing that she said. She said you need to go get a second job so that you can't afford it. And then there was another one. She's a female game streamer or something. She had literally nothing going on in the background, saying, "You people are sitting here watching my stream, and I've been an hour with not a." stream and not a person has put any money in the tip jar and it's, blah 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 i'm like wow like, she why is like anybody tuning in, a, in to you she sure <laughs> sounds like she belongs in one of those uh one of those clubs that men visit uh gentlemen's clubs yeah. um yeah. which then, i think that's a terrible place but anyway <laughs> well the guy kept slipping up on purpose he'd go and this stripper, I mean streamer, <laughs> because that's all her pick that's she's like I'm doing art Okay, you showing your rear end um, to the camera is art. We we thank you very much. That's debatable. Um, <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm saying. It's debatable because I just don't care. I get maybe I'm too old. Maybe I just don't care. I don't know what it is. But dude, I I gotta tell you, uh, I saw a guitar come across my Facebook page the other day that actually made my jaw drop because I was like, I cannot. It 
if you're not familiar with this group, I've talked about it on the show before. I, I, whenever I see this kind of stuff, can you guess what group it comes from? It's everything guitar. If you're not a if you're not a member of this Facebook group, I I, I mean, just get the popcorn out, pretend it's Thriller, and we just read through like the ten or twenty posts that you see every couple hours. I had and, to leave that group. Oh, it's unbelievable! It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm only there for show fodder at this point because like this, but I could talk about this guitar where they put they put a woman in such an uncompromising position on the face of this guitar, the art that I was like. Where would you even play this? Like, I don't think this would be appropriate in a strip club. I mean, yeah, I it, was say, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I showed my wife. I turned and I said, look at this. And she looks at it and she goes, this is disgusting. And I said, I know. What the hell? She's like, where is that most of that? I'm like, everything guitar. And she's like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> she gets it now, too, because I'm showing her this stuff when it comes across my wall. But anyway, that group, man, it's a it's a it's a dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> I know people are like, oh yeah, it's a lot of beginners in that group or whatever. And that's true, but it's also dumpster fire that even the guys cool. that have been in there for a long time are usually like, blah, 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 and, and talking about, you know, stuff that's just like totally backwards and very appropriate, you know, 25 years ago when, you know, people didn't know any better apparently about how you should treat other human beings, whether they're male, female or other, you know, um, so I was, I, I was, um, talking about that with my sons on the way down here. And uh, I, so I know that in the sixties men were treating women better. So I know that, that I remember hearing um, a song called the killing of Georgie, which is um, by Rod Stewart. And anybody wants to give it a listen. It's about a, um, a friend of, um, you know, obviously he's a character, but, um, he's talking about, you know, Georgia being gay and being in the streets of New York. And so the open thing was in the sixties and seventies, the whole, you know, the, the whole thing has been, I think that there has been, in, in my opinion, um, and it's only in my opinion, um, that what we've got is we've got a group of people who are, who are waving a flag to win points, not waving a flag to do anything. And I'm talking about the, the people who, who are most vocal and most whatever look like you and me, they're white middle-aged men. Well, well I, and, and <laughs> there's I, a lot I agree. Of um, I, I do think there is some demonization going on. However, yeah. the, the issue is that even when it, even when people were being um, horrible and trashy to their, to, you know, let's say, for example, a woman in their life. Um, right. I don't think it was frowned upon as harshly as it is right. today, which is why there is a vocal majority now because they're like, Oh yeah, now we can use that to trash that, you know, so-and-so or whatever. And it's like, right. It's but now it's like, okay, now we're going to trash people. And it, and the problem is that what, what we, what we went over the hill with is that we realized that there's a, there's, there's an old saying, hurt people, hurt people. So, um, what happened? What I think has happened is hurt people are hurting people. They're just hurting people differently. And the 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 problem is we need to have a little more respect and 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 understanding that yes, that person might not have views that we we appreciate or, or agree with or whatever, but they have a, a right to be heard. And then 
sometimes after they open their mouths in the wrong group, you know, around a I shouldn't say the wrong group, around a group of people that don't have the same thoughts, sometimes they think, wow, maybe I maybe I am being a bit jerky. But it let them decide it because just like an, a drunk does not stop drinking because you say you're a drunk and you need to stop drinking. A drunk stops drinking because they decide they have to stop drinking. And I it's, just it's the same thing with that. Hey, hey, I'm in a lot of therapy. Let me let, let me share with you my secret to getting along in the world right now. And that is just ignore it. Like to be honest with you, yeah. if you, you're not going to let die, you're not going to control people. Surround no. your, surround yourself with people with like-minded views. If you don't agree right. with them, if you don't agree, and I don't mean like an echo chamber either. I mean like people that can right. accept, accept your viewpoint and stop trying to change people's viewpoint because you're just barking up the wrong tree. It's not going to happen. Um, and and I think social media has made it even worse nowadays. You see a lot of people posting on social media well, about guitars and all this other stuff. Who who you suddenly see these debates come up, and it's like, wait, stop, just stop and think right. about this. Would you have this debate with somebody if you were sitting next to them, you know, at, at the grocery right. store? No, because you don't want to get into a confrontation. Right. And I, and um, one of the other things that you have to realize is because I hear this all the time. Because believe me, I'm one of the old people now. Is when I was growing up, all oh, those hippies. Well, the, now they're the older people, and then well, they're complaining just, about no, the hippies. The, we, we, think hipster, Jim. It's yes. the only difference is that we added, we changed the last syllable. Yeah, we changed it from hippie to hipster. I mean, the last three letters changed. P Y, um, you know, P P Y became P S T R, whatever. I just, I think that. Um, we're uh, we're living in a group, but they have a, a bigger voice. That's all. Social media is this huge voice. I, I talk to my kids and, and they're like, Dad, I don't know anybody. No one that agrees with this crap that's spewed. It's just that people who, who get on social media a lot, who do this stuff. I think that's, it's, it's, it's that's like, who gets a bigger voice. Well, we've compared, Wheel. we've compu- compared YouTube to um, cable access. And yeah. I think this is like cable access that the news gets a hold of. Right. And, and and then they run with it. And it's like 250 people protesting but, in Michigan would not have gotten the traction yeah. that it gets now. It would right. not have gotten the traction. It's that just it gets now. 250 people in Michigan. Folks. I mean, I live in, Put it in perspective. I live Come in a on. major city. We have two. we have 250 people to show up to protest the opening of a mall. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. It's peanuts. It's now they were. Armed. I remember it's weird, but. Yeah. Again, the, the, they had, uh, um, but the news loves that. Uh, before the this whole thing, there was this place that was being protested. Right? It was like eight people. It was eight yep. people. We live we live in an area of two and a half million people, and there's eight people sitting outside of a place. The protesters were very vocal. All eight there of them. Eight people. What are they doing? They singing all have blowers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like. What are you talking about? Let's and that's the problem though. Media back then, media wasn't worried about. There were three channels: ABC, NBC, CBS. Then we got Fox. And the thing was, until CNN came around, which a lot of you who are listening don't remember a, a time without CNN. It's I, relatively new, folks. I remember not having it in our house. Um, I think C- CNN started in '82, right? Uh, yeah, I was born in '84. But I can remember when nobody was paying attention to CNN. CNN right. actually didn't gain traction until Desert Storm, um, right? With the round the clock, but it was twenty four, co- twenty four by seven round the clock coverage. Yeah, <laughs> believe me, I was there, folks. 
<laughs> I didn't see a single camera. Not to say they weren't there. And that was the thing, though. They were bringing us something that that before that, that was Walter Cronkite. Yeah. That was, you know, those folks. The evening news, um, and that was it. Right. We didn't have any other. And um, we were we were watching. We were just as bad. We were watching the Vietnam War on the on the news. Um, it was it, the protests were the same, but there were a lot more of them. Oh, sure. I mean, now people and they are were they're bigger, not even and they were house. bigger in size as well, and that and that's what you got to remember. When so, you, yeah, when you see Forrest Gump and you see that thing where Forrest Gump is at this rally in in you know not since the Million Man March wasn't a Million Man March, not since you mean the Trump's Million inauguration? Man March. Now, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not even going down. Has there been such a large number of people really protesting? And you know what, community protests probably one of the one of the most peacekeeping and yet um, funniest is that the, the bikers every year they do a bike rally now and every year they do a protest and there's a lot of them. And yet, you know what? You don't see a lot of that you know unless you're in local news. You don't see a lot of it. Do you know what I'm protesting right now? Yeah. I'm going to read my, I'm going to read my, I actually going to read my Facebook. And, and let me, let me finish this. So okay. there'll be, there'll be a thousand bikers in Albany, New York, protesting the every year they they protest the helmet law. Every year they ride through Albany, New York, which is the capital, without helmets on, and yet nobody gets hurt. Nothing happens. I'm not saying the helmets are good or bad, folks. I always wore a helmet. That, but that's a, to me that should be a personal preference. But anyway, side to point, all those protests happen. Thousands of people, pro- and you'd get a little bit of local news coverage. And here's the bikers. Then you'd get another thing. They'd say, and in this town, the bikers. You know who those bikers were? They were bicyclists. You know how many of them there were? Like 20. And they got all the news coverage. These bikers were doing this. It's like, don't blink, folks, because they're already gone. <laughs> Just saying. The news coverage can, can make anything big. It's like when you watch um, uh, The Voice or you watch um, – you know, American Idol, you're like, wow, that place must be huge. And it's a dinky little stage with like a hundred seats. There's, yeah. there's nothing there. You it's, know, it's all they in only, the lenses and, and yeah. how they position the camera work and all that stuff. And how they make sure there's an ass in the seat. If somebody's got to go up to poop or pee, put somebody in the seat. They yeah. literally pay people to stand there and sit when somebody yeah. gets up. So it always looks full. And that's the thing we've got to realize. It, when you're on and, and I'm bringing it back to this guitar thing, just because there's a hundred people saying you shouldn't play, play this guitar. You should never use this strings or this thing. You should do what you, yeah, do what you feel. You do like, what for you sure. like. For sure. Nobody's going to say that. Like if you've heard the style of music I make, nobody's going to tell you buy a King of tone. You're going to love it. Uh, yeah, but I'll do it anyway. Cause that's what I want to do. Uh, I, I do what I want anyway. Um, so FM three, uh, yep. this is what I'm protesting right now. The, the new fractal, <laughs> the new fractal unit, uh, the FM three, it started shipping, uh, like last month, maybe February. Um, and it had a missing Jack. And I think we actually covered that. It was missing the headphone Jack. Um, and they decided that they were going to sell them at a $50 discount. Uh, which I, I, I mean, that's just mind boggling to me. You're missing a critical component in the product and you're going to sell it for a $50 discount. And it and it's clearly like a manufacturing mistake. It's not like, 
hey, we ordered a run like this so we could give you a better deal. It's clearly a manufacturing mistake. Um, so they, they, they've been sending out emails to the people that were waitlisted and offering them to buy one at 50 bucks. Uh, one of our group members actually received their, their invite to buy one at the $50 reduced price. He told me about it when he got it. He was on the list earlier than I. I received mine today, and I figure it's been two months. For sure, they are starting to sell regular, properly built units. Uh, I look at the email very closely. I go back and forth with our uh, group member, uh, who happens to be Jeff uh, Biaziadecki. And uh, we determined that I got the same email he did, which means that two months on down the road, they're still trying to offload the original shipment of units that were built improperly um were not to the spec that they wanted initially and they're still selling them at a 50 dollars discount and i think i'm two months down the line than jeff in the order list which means that they've probably gone through several hundred people if not several thousand people um trying to determine you know if anybody wants it and they may have sold a few but uh it sounds like most people are going uh $50 off? Like, seriously? Um, so that's not what, what really rubs me the wrong way. That's part of it. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of screwed up. Um, actually, my initial reaction was, I'll bet you they're selling selling completed units at full price, but you have to be on you know their other list to get it or whatever, uh, which brought me into the, the rest of this. So um, you can't put money down on the corrected units yet. And they're being brutally honest that they won't be available for some time, which makes sense because COVID-19 manufacturing in Asia is basically shut down. Um, my, my, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to censor myself because I used a lot of swear words when I posted this, but this <laughs> is BS. This is a bad business model. This is bad for the consumer. And this is bad for the business. This sounds terrible messages to your consumers our customers rather uh, poor quality is fine. And we'll give you $50 off for poor quality because that's all it's worth. Um, and lets everyone know how good their supply chain really is because they're relying on a foreign nation to produce all of the parts in this unit. They cannot produce it in the United States. You're going to wait and you're going to wait and you're going to wait. Now remind me, you were just to remind you, this product was announced and the wait list was started back in June of last year, June. I mean, it's almost been a year, and these yep. are, they still haven't shipped a spec unit that matches <laughs> the original specification for this thing. Okay, um, and it, it, they, so they, they they're they're starting to ship them correctly or whatever. And then Fractal, um, this is what really bothers me though. Fractal canceled all of the impending AXA orders, which this replaces in their lineup, and then they and then they put them all on the FM3 waitlist. Which means that if you wanted an AX8, you could have potentially had one last year, but now you can't. You're going to wait on an FM3, and who knows when you'll actually get one. So basically what you're telling me is you don't want to really sell a product to anyone. You want to wait on your stupid Chinese manufacturers to get off their butts and produce the goods, which actually leads me to a further question. Why is it taking so long? Um, I used to work for companies that would buy things from China. Nothing takes this long to produce in China. I don't care what it is. If you want it done, like even PPE, they're talking about converting factories over to produce PPE to Chinese spec, and they're saying it takes days, not not years, days, okay? Yeah. Not months, 
days. Um, and in this case, like you've got, here's a company that ordered something last year. What's the deal? And I can tell you what the deal is. They're waiting on capital. They need money to go to China and have these goods produced, which means that those of you who want an FM3 without the headphone jack are going to finance the run of corrected FM3s that should have been produced to begin with, which means that Fractal didn't strong arm their their uh, supplier over there and say, no, we spec this way, which probably suggests Fractal made the mistake. Uh, yep. It's even more messed up than that when you think about it. So here's the real, here's the real like, huh, moment you should be having if you're actually waiting on one of these things. There are three to four wait lists for the FM3. There is the normal, and I'm going to go order of least importance to most important. And when you hear this, it's you're going to crack up because it starts off with um, regular old Joe, right? Like you, if you were to put it in order, Jim. And then you have AX8 canceled orders. In other words, I had an AX8 on order. Now I'm going to have an FM3. So your your third priority. Think about that for a minute. They canceled your order and said you can't buy this product because we're discontinuing. So you're third in line, and you're going to wait a year. Then they have that's AX8 cancelers. Then they have cliff artists. That's what I call them. Basically, the people that are are XFX certified artists, right? These are the people that right. are promoting the brand. And then the, the fourth and most important group is the friends of Cliff. In other words, people who know Cliff personally and he likes you so you can order a, 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 a <laughs> FM3 before anyone else. Can you imagine putting that over your artist roster? And I have heard this, not from, not from Jeff, but I've heard this from other people that he has an artist roster that takes second fiddle to the quote unquote friends of cliff can you imagine that i and and apparently look him up on facebook folks apparently they (laughs) they don't do free like it's not free art it's not i I, if if it was free like i could get a and r it's not free they don't give away the stuff you have to pay full price for it or you have a reduced cost if you're an art if you're an officially endorsed artist but as we know there are many players that use them that are not officially endorsed artists who could be right like good enough that they could be um so I just I'm like looking at this and I'm going, you know, their product is supposed to be great, but I would rather just buy two bams and avoid the bullshit completely because this is ridiculous. Um, we're looking at the product that was announced in June of last year that started to ship in February incorrectly, as in like not produced the way that they said it was going to be produced with no end in sight for the real good ones that everybody wants to actually show up. I'm sorry, but I wouldn't wait on a product, especially a digital product, for over a year because I can tell you what's going to happen. By the time it hits shelves, something else is going to come along, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Something else is going to come along that could probably blow it out of the water. It doesn't make any sense. It's not like the FM3 is on hold because they're upgrading it. That that That's not the case at all. It is on hold because they can't get their supply chain straightened out. It's almost is- as bad as the spark from uh, Bias. Yep. Yeah, bias. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Because we we talked we've we've talked about the Chinese it, it's products. under a lot of constraint right now. If you think about it for a minute, depending on how long we have to wait for Chinese supply lines, this could effectively um uh create a false um 
increase in price for everything. Yeah. Right now, people are paying yes. $600 for $300 items. Yes. I'm looking at my webcam online. Okay. I my know. webcam price that I use right now is $200. Yep. And it's a $50 webcam. I paid $70 for this thing, folks. It's the exact same model. It's not even an upgrade. The Logitech C920 HD. Now, I'll admit that it was on sale when I bought it, but come on. We, we are in um, – we are um, inflating prices for no good reason. And the thing is, this is what this is what the Chinese um, uh, group. Now, I'm not saying that they released this virus. And I'm not in that conspiracy group, folks. I'm just saying that right now, <clears throat> by holding us by the by the uh, short hairs, they have us. I, we can't I, create. We can't create masks. We can't create. We can't create basic essentials. Medicine. We're not talking about. I'm not talk, just well, talking yeah, about guitars. So, so it's going to help them in the short term. But I'll tell you, in nine months, you're going to see a whole new class of entrepreneurs looking to open up manufacturing stateside. This is going to change. Yeah. This is going to change the game. To, People are not going to continue to buy goods from foreign countries where we can't rely on them. This we is we didn't smarten up when it came to gas prices. Okay, gas prices never would have skyrocketed the way they did had we gone overseas. Had we not just gone overseas, we were selling our own gas overseas while buying their gas because we made bad decisions in our in our uh, um, relationships with OPEC mm -hmm. and. That was done in the 70s, folks. That was done when I was a kid. I think we just smartened up by now. And the other thing we haven't done, I know this is not a political podcast, but it's real. Um, <laughs> the, the fact is that, that what we've done, essentially, I mean, even in the Chipson market, come on. Chipsons are better than Gibsons. And then, and then the, um, uh, oh, wait, well, Esquire is sure. just as good. As, it, it, as, the more you say Esquire is just as good as this, they're going to say, okay. Well, we'll just increase the prices of the Squires. Squires used to be cheap. They're not cheap anymore. They're not cheap. And they're not going to get any cheaper. Well, I time. would argue that they're the same price with inflation. But that but that being said, yes, they definitely make more premium models, which is what yes. which is what is has led to this like it is it perceived price increase. Um and right. it's just because they they have begun to blur the lines. I mean, that's basically right. it. They don't they don't as people are more willing to spend more money on what would be considered a lower class product, they're more willing to do it. Big surprise, right? Like that totally yeah. makes sense. Law of, law of supply and demand. Um, going back to to just talking about their supply chain issue, that's a huge deal. Uh, if you recall, there's another product that it was allegedly the fractal killer, right? Uh, the quad cortex yeah. from uh, – I don't even remember the name of the company. The quad cortex. You can look it up. Um, it's, they're a plug-in company. They make plugins for like Pliny and, and other artists. Uh, they have like these, um, this whole brand of, uh, plugins centered around like artist modeling and that neural thing. DSP, neural DSP, the neural DSP quad cortex, which debuted at NAM. They showed it off, which nobody really knows how that worked. Um, I've heard, I've heard some people say, no, it was a real unit. And I've heard other people say, no, it was tethered to a computer that was actually driving it. Um, one way or the other, this product was shown at NAM. Uh, they started taking pre-orders for it, uh, and I think there were deposit. I don't think there were a hefty deposit, but basically, you could get your money back at any time if you wanted. Allegedly, 
I don't know if anybody's actually tried to do that. Um, and they said that it would be available in September. There is no way on earth this thing is going to hit the market in September, given what we know now. Um, no one could have known that back then, but this is the result of a supply chain issue. Um, and quite frankly, uh, they may even be having trouble developing the thing because people are working from home and that kind of stuff. Uh, this is not the same as like developing an application for your computer. It's developing an application for a piece of hardware you need to be able to flash. Um, that means development kits have to be, they include hardware pieces that would have to be in somebody's location in order for them to do development at home. That may not be something that's feasible for this hardware. I don't know that information, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's some delay because they're, you know, basically work from home kind of situation. Um, I don't, Neural, I, I think Neural is not even in the States. I want to say yep, they're in like it's overseas. Yeah, it's Euro. Um, right now, your quad cortex will be shipped within five working days, is what they said. Really? As pay a pay a fully refundable two hundred dollars. Um, rest of the world, two hundred euro, two hundred dollars. Rest of the world deposit when your unit is ready to ship. You when will your be able to When your unit is ready to ship. Here's what's funny though. Yeah, when your unit is ready to ship. Pay the remaining thirteen hundred ninety nine euro slash dollars plus shipping. Um, and euro prices include VAT, whatever that is, some kind of tax. I'm sure your quad cortex will be shipped to you within five working days. How can they say? Yeah, tax. Uh, it, it, yeah, no, I'm just they saying. I'm, I'm not sure. It's how not they... available yet. They were expecting okay. them to ship by November 2020. There's no way in hell sense. that's going to happen. You may receive your quad tech sooner. How can they say they're going to ship it within five working days? And yet they're saying they won't be shipping the first ones until November 2020. Because it's this five, whole thing. It's within, no, Jim, it's within five working days of them receiving them. That's what they're telling you. Once they're produced uh, within five working days of that, they'll be out. That's a standard thing. But um, let's face it. This is going to rely on Chinese manufacturing which is going to be shut down, at least in some capacity, for the next several months. So this thing is not going to debut in November. I can guarantee you that. And I actually called this back when they announced it in January, that there's no way in hell they're going to have a November deadline. Um, and that, that some people would get it, but it would be a very small number of people. And the funny part is, and this might explain for some people who are members of our group who are maybe questioning why this happened, um, the Practical Guitarist owns a new group. And uh, if you go to our our Facebook uh, uh, group, yeah. <laughs> our Facebook page, yeah. and you look at the groups, you'll see that we own a new group, and it's called the Helix 2 Owners Group. And uh, we are promoting the Helix Squared, which is the follow-up to the Helix Mark I, um, which now features <laughs> four separate processors with twice the power. Um, and it comes in this attractive Kemper Green finish. Um <laughs> Uh, so in other words, it's a joke. it is absolutely a joke. Uh, I intended for people to laugh and, uh, have a moment of levity and also to yeah, take, we the, need some... take the image from this Facebook group and share it on Instagram, share it with your yeah. friends, have a laugh about it. Enjoy it. Helix squared folks. The only thing that I wish I could have done, cause my Photoshop skills are pretty poor. I wanted to put a second treadle on it. So it would be like, oh, yeah. so it would be two treadles. Or no treadle what's and, and or no treadle whatsoever and a second row of buttons. 
like another yeah. row of buttons. So it's yeah. three rows. Cause I just wanted to make the thing like a ridiculous form factor because it's, yeah. in, in my opinion, it's already a ridiculous then, form factor. And then what we need is a bunch of fake accounts to say, this is the best pedal I've ever seen. Well, Jim, you, I, you, I've read everything about it and I know it's going to be fantastic. Jim, Jim you were, you, well, the, the reason for this is the reason this is so funny is because there's already a quad cortex users group. This product has not exist. actually existed yet. As far as like an actual product goes, we've seen prototypes with, you know, beta <laughs> software, but we haven't yep. seen an actual product yet, except there's a user's group. Would you mind explaining to me how there's a user's group for something that has no users? <laughs> I just, I'm like, what? And part of me is kind of sitting here going, I, know, I own the Helix 2 users group name, which means that if somebody decides they want to make a Helix 2 users group when Helix 2 comes around, they can buy it Guess from who's me. I'll sell to it to you. It. Uh, That's right. I'll give it to you for a price. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, but that being said, I'm, I'm not really squatting on it. I think it's silly. And uh, this whole idea that like we should be anticipating products in the guitar market is kind of nuts to me. Um, yep. Uh, you know, this is this is the conversation I had with with a friend today. It was like, you know, you got all these new products coming out, and when the digital products happen, everybody gets really excited about the new iteration. It's like, oh, you know, we'll use Helix Squared as the example. Helix Squared is coming out. This thing's amazing. I can't wait to get a <laughs> Helix Squared. And you're kind of sitting there going, do you feel this way about the new Tube Screamer? Like, are you sitting there going like, I really need the new TS-10, where they actually make a TS-10. The TS-11, I really need this TS-11 really bad. <laughs> and no, that doesn't happen. I mean, I don't really even hear people jonesing for like the V2 of a pedal. Like, let's say GHS, GHS, GHS. GHS makes strings, folks. JHS uh, makes um, a Unicorn V3, like which is their Univide pedal. Yep. Um, and they're like, now with X, you know, whatever feature. And they're like, the V3 is coming. You should get the V3. Everybody wants the V3. You don't hear anybody be like, man, I really want that V3. Like, I got to have that Unicorn V3. You never <laughs> hear that in analog effects. I mean, I'm sure it goes on, but like you never hear about it like, like you do in the digital world. If there was a Kemper V2 announced, um, people would not be like people would people would be the exact same way as they were for the with the Helix Square. They'd be like, oh, "I want the Kemper too. I don't know what it does, but I want it anyway." And, and you just don't like That's, buy analog crap if you don't want to deal with any of this. Just just don't care about it anymore. I think that that um, this this happens a lot. I mean, you hear it in movies. It's like this movie's gonna suck. You didn't even get to see it. Yeah. You already know it's gonna suck. Mike I mean, okay. So when they said that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, we could pretty much guarantee it. But come on. But there are <laughs> movies that <laughs> my I'm not trying to say that the I'm episode, just kidding, uh, folks. Well, no, no, you're right though, Jim. I, I'm not I'm because <laughs> because I have a tendency because I'm blowing these these like deadlines and supply chain issues out of proportion um to make it seem like the FM3 is going to be a bad product. Um I'm sure right. the FM3 is going to be very capable in certain people's hands. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that I'm sure that Helix Squared will be very capable, and so will the Quad Cortex. Um, there's nothing in my mind that says to me that any of these products are not going to find a, a market and a home and a livelihood at some point. But right now, right. i i would not buy I would not buy a, a a fractal product just on the principle that I don't want to get jerked around. That is too much money to be worrying about whether or not it's going to show up with a headphone jack. Or whether or whether my shipment's never going to get here, or I'm going to have to get on a wait list indefinitely, uh, as I uh, talk about wearing a king of tone at the top of the show, um, yeah. <laughs> or that that 
Take a wait list. You know, and or that 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 kind of stuff's gonna go on. Like I I just see I just see the whole like process is being kind of kind of nutty um on this stuff. And um if you know if you want something, sure, go for it. Just just you know, keep keep your sanity. Don't like don't put my I can't believe I can't believe neural DSP is taking cash as a deposit for a product that they don't have yet. Which I, I kind of can. I can. I see it in this world of of um, Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Because okay, so <clears throat> everybody's seen Shark Tank, right? So those people are supposed to be VCs, right? They actually rip these folks off. But anyway, um, so venture capitalists go out and they look for stuff to buy that they know they can they cash in on, and so they say, "Hey, you've got a product." You need backing. I'll come in, but I demand this much money out of it. So until you meet their thing, it's kind of like a record contract. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make any money. And so it's kind of like that in the in the fact that they're coming at um, uh, these things and and they're looking for people to crowdfund because to be honest with you, look what we talk about with Patreon and what we talk and and a lot of comp, a lot of podcasts they live they literally live on Patreon. They're they're feeding their families on Patreon. So if you're out there and you're like, oh, I, I don't mind throwing two bucks or five bucks away at these guys. I enjoy their content. If you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've got $200 I can throw at this thing. I, I find it hard. Now, in my heart, I can't find it where if if if, if Marshall told me, hey, we're, we, like I've done with a guitar, if Marshall told me, hey, we'll, we'll build, we're building JCM 900s, you're going to be number 42 on the list. You know, give. I'm I'm looking at a puppy right now. I got to give I got to give a breeder a fifty to two hundred dollar deposit on a puppy that hasn't even been organ doned yet. Yeah. You know, egg and sperm doned yet, and yet, I, and then I get on a waiting list to get a miniature dachshund. But that's how you got to get a miniature dachshund that isn't a puppy mill dog, that is a dog that you know comes with the. You know, with the breed and the and the everything else that it comes with, and so yeah, there's a lot, whole lot of hipsters that are saying, "Jim, go down and and rescue a dog." I don't want a freaking dog that might bite me. I, I I've been through too many rescues. I know I know there's good ones out there, and I know there's crap ones out. There. So and, and uh, Jim's just not at, at least point in his dog. life where you need to be dealing with that anyway. No, no, my neighbor's dog that all he does is whine twenty four by seven. She's a rescue. I know. I know, and I can tell it's outside because all I hear is a dog whining. At least one thing, you know, it's in the yard because it's you can hear it. But um, the point is that that I that to some people that sounds stupid. What I would do for a dog, right? It sounds stupid. Jim's you, opinions you do not somebody, reflect the, sh- the opinions of the Practical Guitarist podcast. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, I don't think it sounds stupid. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but John Bott and I are talking, you know, I'm like, yeah, I want to get it on. And, and so it, it's just little things like that where I'm like, I guess if if they said I could get a JCM 900 and I had to get, but to be on that list. Uh, no, so let me let, let me boil it down for you. This is, this well, is I think, for the average citizen, why this is a problem, Jim. You have no guarantee. There is right. zero guarantee. At That's least with, what I was about to at say. At least with Kickstarter, there's potential for you to get your money back or something. 
and 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 you don't have. Let's talk about Salt and Pepper's new album all right, that never all right, happened. All right. And but they so, took money. But so for here's it. The, here's the difference though. <laughs> when you put money into Kickstarter, I think the implication with Kickstarter is you're donating money to something that may not be finished, right? And that same thing could happen with Neural DSP's Quad Cortex, but there's no implication right. that they're ever going to get to a point where they're not going to finish it, right? So there's and your your money is not guaranteed. It's in either you have case. Signed in either case. contract, right? And Indiegogo right. is the same way. Actually, Indiegogo is even worse. Um, but the the whole point is that these these kind of crowdfunding things, you're getting that stuff as a gift. You're not necessarily buying yep. the product. And the same right. thing is true of Quad Cortex Neural DSP, except they're yeah, they, even less behind them. Right. If they go bankrupt, folks, they're in Europe. Good luck trying to get your money back. And and you know now our European listeners right now, have a better chance. I don't think I would take that chance. <laughs> I wouldn't take that bet. And 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 that's the difference. If Marshall told me, Jim, we've got this, we've got this amp, but we haven't actually built one yet. And there are none in store. And, uh, you know, first and you can't do, hear one. You know, the first thing I do, I go look and see what their COVID count is. <laughs> they yeah. go, nope, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, I go, yeah, no. But I mean, in a literal sense, I mean, I didn't, I didn't buy the the Fender until I got a chance to play it. Matter of fact, I was one of the first people to say that is a stupid idea. Yeah, I was too. I mean, so, I still am. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. I, you know what? I respect your opinion. Yeah, it I does, don't. It can be wrong. <laughs> Your opinion, however wrong it is, you may. You know, you know how often my opinion changes. It's like it changes with the phases of the moon. It's ridiculous. Did you, know, did you notice I have no guitars behind? Me? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, where are they all? Did he sell them? Like, they're all, they're all sick. They've got no. They got COVID. No, they're in their oh cases. God, actually, they're on ventilators and COVID. No, when I went, so that's folks, where all I the ventilators went. That's why you went to New York. You got caught. Yep. <laughs> I went to New. I did literally go to New York State, folks. I went to New York State over the weekend. I got got my kids. I brought them back. Um, so my sons are here now, and you can't hear them. One's in the other room. Um, one's out where he usually is, and um, full house. It's so I I had to go up there and come back, and of course I wore gloves and I was I was masked everything. But so um, I brought my kids home, and uh, of course we're in two weeks of quarantine, right? Well, when I left, I wanted to make sure the house was okay, so I hid everything. So I took all the guitars down, and I put them in cases and hid them away, and I gave someone my gun because I was like, if my house does get robbed, my gun is not going to be a part of some robbery. I do, this, I do the so, same thing. Like, I take all my yeah. ammo out, and yeah. Yep. So, I don't have any guns, <clears throat> folks. Forget it. I was a responsible gun owner. I do have guns. I, Jim, I have at least two guns, one yeah, on each arm. <laughs> there you go, my guns. Yeah. No, I, I sleep with a machete. Those are rubber bands. I, I sleep with a machete next to my bed. So if you know, if you wonder whether or not I have guns, that might inform you. Uh, I, sl- I sleep with a shit. I, I sleep with a copy of Machete Kills. Yeah, next. That's that's. I love that quite movie. a bit scarier, actually. Um, <laughs> Those movies are hilarious, yeah, man. That's <laughs> I. Uh, I think we need to talk about something else now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I. I, um, uh, I think that that as you know, as our tastes change, we should be okay. We should be. 
we should be all right going, you know what? What I liked last week, I'm not so crazy about that this week. And you should be all right with that. No, and I, th- I think um, – Otherwise, people would still be listening to Barry Manilow 25 You months. know, and that's another problem I see in gear groups, and I want to get off the I, – we need to talk about something else, like something music-related or whatever. Um, maybe we'll talk about what you listen to on the way up there. Um, yeah. And uh, I, what I wanted to say was that, like, so talk about opinions. My opinion changes like the phase of the moon. Um, this is obviously true, like – I'm sure you can go back and find old episodes where I was like, the camper's too stupid. It's a dumb concept. And like, now I own one. Um, and, and that's not altogether uncommon with art stuff. And that meaning like anything artistic, whether it be paints or musical instruments or whatever, uh, your opinions change on based on what, based on what you're doing at the time. Um, and I think there's a tendency for people, especially in the guitar community and the guitar gear community explicitly to buy gear that they that they think they like, and then they get it, they don't like it, and they still pretend like they like it because they spent a lot of money on it. And I've seen various states of that where somebody's like, yeah, it's really, really good. I love it a lot, except that it doesn't do this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, well, then what exactly do you own it for? <laughs> um, and that's that's all i really have got to say about that so much in the in that you know just just be true like be honest with people if you overpaid for something say you overpaid for it who cares i mean i've got a sun face i love that thing uh to be honest with you um i was not totally in love with it for a while because i was having problems with noise and stuff in it and now the way i've got it in my chain now it works perfect and i've got nothing but good it's going on my board um it's actually going to go on my board with my uh, Kingmaker, which is even more ridiculous. So, no, what? you're gonna have two fuzz pedals on your board, Jim, Jim. I used to have like five. What are you talking about? I'm just, I used to have like a Pelotar, a trifecta, uh, some sort of fuzz face. Like it didn't matter what fuzz, a fuzz face, right? And then like you know other various dirt pedals. Uh, in fact, I, I am fu- actually, I, I know this. At one point, I had this. I had a trifecta. I had the Zvex Fuzz Factory. I had a Fuzz Face, but there's some overlap, right? Um, I had uh, the Fuzz Master General and a Pelotar, and they were all on the same board. They were all on the same board, and that's only like that. That isn't even a quarter of the pedals that were on that board, but what five Fuzz pedals on one board? Now the the pedal I'm buying from you that's a that's a distortion pedal. That's right? an overdrive. 50/50? Overdrive. It's an overdrive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's 50/50. not a fuzz. Don't worry, Jim. Good. You're good. <laughs> no. 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 I mean, here. I, here. If Hang it was on. a Pelotar, I think it'd be. I think I'd be all right with a Pelotar, but I don't know if I. I don't think you'd like I, the Pelotar all that much, to be honest with you. You, you know what I found out? I probably said this before, but the thing I like the fuzz I like sounds like fuzz, not like a broken amplifier. I was listening to Revolution by the Beatles. That's uh, you know that that's actually like a ripped speaker cone sound almost. I mean that's it's not even just like a yeah, broken but, amplifier. It's like a square wave, but it's like a yeah. trashy square wave. They, um, Beato was talking about the pedal they used for that, or or maybe it was JHS that was talking. About I don't know somebody because I've heard that was a pedal, but like that sounds terribly like to me like a. Um, uh, yeah, it sounds like a broken amp, or actually a guitar direct into a broken board. Um, yeah. Sounds terrible. Which is actually one of the first distortion sounds. Uh, Rocket Forty Four or whatever was a guitar into uh, some sort of console that was like shorting out or something, and so you're only getting half the waveform. 
which created this like really yeah. raunchy distortion sound. Um, yeah, kind of like when uh, Angus Young was playing the solo to "Let There Be Rock" and the well, that, amplifier the was blowing color up. Color box the preamp is based on that kind of sound, like a distort, like a broken, yeah. like distorted um, yep. Neve console preamp or something like that. Um, yep. I, I'm probably just running my mouth about the Neve console part, but you get the point. It's 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 a it's a atypical sound um, than yep. you would normally you know get out of a guitar thing. But yeah, so a fuzz. Um, you, 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 I was trying to get off gear, but we got to talk about fuzz for a second. Cause you, cause you brought it up. So like, yeah, that's a big thing. There's a lot of people that have a really hard time finding a fuzz pedal because they don't realize that fuzz has like various varieties within the, right. like the pantheon of, I mean, um, there are fuzz pedals that definitely have similar lineages and are similar in tonality. Like I would say like a tone bender, like a Mark one yep. tone bender is very similar to a fuzz face. A Mark 1.5 yep. is similar to a fuzz face. A Mark two kind of gets sort of into the muffy territory, but it's still like occupies this happy middle ground. And then you get into well, weren't the, Mark three and yeah. Weren't the first tone benders and fuzz face supposedly um, they were they, built by two they different people may not have and been yet the they had same. the exact, same circuit and one of them is saying the other one copied i them. think they were next door to one another when they were producing them or something yeah and they were like yeah they were very close on the same street or something they may have even been designed by the same person i mean there's there there's yeah, that kind of split. like connection and they're very similar they're actually there are minute differences in the circuit but um yep. for all intents and purposes they're very very similar but that that's it's an interesting story because in a cert in a circuit that only has like seven components uh, I think if yeah. Fuzz Face may have nine, um, it, it, every component matters. And yeah, and that's what Josh Scott was saying. He said he said with the small number of components and the and the thing they were looking for, it is highly likely that um, they were able to come up with the same circuit separately, because it's just like if you were trying to come up with a with a cake, but you only had the same exact ingredients every cake has eggs folks yeah every cake has eggs every cake has flour yeah. every cake has this if you if you had two people and you gave them the same set of ingredients the cakes are probably going to taste very similar and so with the limited um, electrical parts that people would have at their disposal remember the time frame folks remember the time frame talking about the 60s talking about post-war england so you don't have a lot of stuff lying around that you can just throw around. We we take for granted these days, like there are people people will say, oh, you could believe these parts, these parts, these parts. RCA was making a lot of the stuff, you know. GE it's, was making a lot of stuff. It's pretty far away from post post war though. It's fifty fifty seven fifty eight. I mean, You're maybe totally even talking, maybe even later than that. You're only talking ten twelve years. England was blown to the ground. Remember that? Well, you know, I know, <laughs> and they're still relying on, and even back then they were relying on other country, countries to produce the electronic parts that they were right. using to right. actually make things. But, um, yeah, so I, I, it just depends. I don't know exactly when the date that the fuzz face was quote-unquote invented. Um, but, and it's not, it's definitely not the first circuit. I mean, obviously there was the Maestro fuzz tone before that. And, um, that's the sound of satisfaction. Um, yep. And one of the more, buzzier fuzzes of that time period but i mean then you get into yeah. this stuff like you have like muffs and you have things like the burns buzz around 
and um, the Bassmaster and all these different like uh, fuzz pedals that have existed over the years. People don't realize this. So, okay, I always liken it to the video game boom of the early 80s and then the video game crash of the early 80s. Everybody made video games in the early 80s. And then right. everybody went got the market pulled out from under after ET came out and basically soured everybody's mouth on video games for a while. Um, the, it was Nintendo that actually saved the industry because they had the Nintendo CD yeah. approval, which which said that this game had been play tested and was not complete garbage. Um, so when guitar players started to use things like fuzz and distortion boxes, many of them weren't even pedals back then. Like they were just like things that you stuck on the end of your cable and plugged into your right. amp. Um, or, or into the know, front of the board. Yeah, or, or that kind of thing. Um, and so um, these fuzz pedals and these fuzz distortion devices, they had this like grassroots things that happened, or grassroots thing that happened like in the 60s where everybody who was producing electronic equipment produced a fuzz box. Um, and... I mean, there's hundreds of variations of fuzz boxes that were sold in the late 60s, many of which probably don't even exist anymore in collector's hands because they were just thrown away. Um, they literally lasted for a couple of years, and then most of them stopped being produced altogether. Um, even things like the fuzz face had a period where there was not any fuzz face being produced. Um, right. And... It took, you know, guys in the late 70s, early 80s who were getting into things that were sort of like vintage thrown away hand-me-down items to kind of bring about this resurgence. And then you had people like Analog Man and other other people in the mid-80s, late 80s who were producing these things for people like Stevie Ray Vaughan, et cetera, um, which led to this like resurgent industry uh, of literally products that didn't exist. The only fuzz that really survived and weathered the storm um, cause I think it was produced from like 1969. No, it was later than that. It was produced in like 74, 73, all the way to current times is the, the electro harmonics big moth. And that's mostly because that was their mainstay item. And right. quite frankly, like they used, they used all kinds of tactics to sell that thing. I can remember hearing people like Paul Gilbert say things like that was the first distortion pedal. That was the first distortion pedal I had. And it was a box of awesome and it's really because at that time, the only way you could get distortion was to crank things up and that allowed them to do it at a low volume or maybe through their, their home stereo or whatever so that they could do it. Um, and then later on, of course, um, they moved – I mean, Electromax went through some tough times economically over the years and they ended up moving things to uh, Russia. And like there's all these shenanigans and stories about how electronic harmonics survives today. Um, and they were not because the fuzz face or the, the fuzz industry was booming. It was because they were just struggling to get by. Um, so flash forward today and we have this like fuzz boom and everybody thinks like there's more fuzz pedals today than there ever were. No, probably still not even now. If you go back, I would, I would venture a guess, it, you know, every little music store was making their own fuzz circuit. Like yeah. that's what it was like in the sixties. And now we don't have any of that stuff that survives today. That's why like Mercari is so big for the tone bender because they made that thing. That was their – it was a store, right? And that was not uncommon back then. Look at Marshall. Jim Marshall owned a drum shop, right? And he built freaking amplifiers in the back because people needed amplifiers. You know, He had a guy that knew how to do it and they 
they had him build amplifiers for him. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a strange thing. We don't live in the golden age of, of pedals sometimes when we think about the particular type of effect, especially with something like the fuzz craze. I mean, even Fender. So like Fender has their line of pedals right now. And I, and, um, I remember when I was younger, I was like, why doesn't Fender make a line of pedals? They make amps, they make guitars. Um, and I, I will look, come to find out they did make pedals. They made the Fender blender and they actually had a whole line of fuzz pedals, but they're not particularly popular today. And, uh, they're not, I don't even think they're highly sought after collector's items, although it's Fender. So I'm sure there's collectors and that kind of stuff. But, um, the point is like the only one that really survives in popular consciousness now, I think is the, the Fender blender. I pretty sure there's other ones um because i think they made they made like a tone bender style or something um but you know that's it, it, it's all gravy finding the right fuzz is a journey um and if you have a sound in your head of what a fuzz should sound like there's probably a fuzz box out there somewhere that sounds like it you just got to play around until you find the right one in jim's case like i knew jim well enough to know that he wants something that plays like a just like a like an overdrive pedal but right. it's a fuzz. But and it's fuzz. when I played one the first time, I went, "That's the one I'm getting for Jim," because yeah. <laughs> I was like, "That's and what it he works. wants." Yeah, that's what he wants. Yeah. So, and it is a muff too, which is even which is even funnier because that's the one nobody it, nobody apparently likes. That's, I mean, I've heard like some, I've heard so many people say like, "Big muffs sound like trash. They they disappear in the mix and all this." Listen, you just got to get the right one because. In, with your guitar and your specific amp and your specific rig, if you have the wrong version of, of a fuzz face, not fuzz face, a big muff, it is going to disappear in the mix. But if you find the right one, you will never disappear in the mix and people will not be able to unhear your guitar. <laughs> um, so it is what it is. Find them. Enjoy them. Jim, what did you listen to on your trip to New York? You're going to hate this. So on the way oh, up. Oh, I'm going to love it. On the way up. I listened to David Dave Rubin's new book. Oh um, God! It's Don't not burn even book. I know. And then and then the last that I, I I literally listened to the whole book. And then <clears throat> the last part of the trip, I listened to uh, Loverboy's Greatest Hits. Actually, I listened to the first Loverboy album, most of it, and then the second <laughs> Loverboy. Oh, I thought there was two. And and there was there was a few. I'm teasing. Um, I have them all. And uh, then (laughs) on the way back, um, I listened to a whole bunch of pop songs. I listened to Revolution. I listened to Eleanor Rigby. I listened to, you know, a lot of Beatles, um, a lot of uh, uh, different stuff that what I was listening for, I wasn't just listening to the songs. My son was doing most of the driving. So I was listening to songs and kind of looking at, okay, how does that sound? What is what is making that sound that I like? You know what I mean? What I can't is it not about this do song that. that I, enjoy? I can't enjoy music anymore. I every yeah. time I listen to something, even if I do enjoy it, that's like a surface thing. And I try to analyze the crap. Like, what microphones were they using? Like, that's the first questions that pop into my head. Like, what microphone was that? What microphone do you think it was? How do you think they placed that microphone? How many uh, how many cabinets do you think they mic'd up? Do you think the uh, bass player was going direct in or <laughs> like I, I, I rip things apart that way. And I know other people that sit there and they go, I wonder what chord progression that is, you know, like, and, and yeah. or they can pick it out, you know, it's like, that's a one, five, six or, you know, um, that kind of thing. And 
then they, you know, start analyzing like, so well, what's the guitar player doing here? He's playing in uh, Dorian and, uh, you know, it's like, it's this whole process that we use to take apart a piece of music. And I think it's a curse just as much as a blessing. Obviously it informs us as, a, as our ability to create music, but it takes away our ability to just purely enjoy it. One of the things that I find when I'm listening to, uh, to music is the same thing. I I'll sit and I'll go, Ooh, I didn't like that. Or I'll, I'll go, Oh man, I can't believe they've chose that chord progression. I can't believe that, that the solo ended like that. What was that a copy and paste of something? I'll, it, it'll be like, especially modern music. You're like, that's the same chorus I just heard. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly the same chorus. It's just, why am I listening to this crap? And, and of course I have to be careful because Words have power, you know. We we talk about that crap all the time, but it, it's true. Words have power, and and uh, um, unfortunately, I'll say, "Oh, that's crap," and then I got to remember, okay, my kids like this, or you know, I can, I, and, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it, my my daughters, if they're listening to music and I don't like it, I'm the first one to tell them why I don't like it. It's not that look. It's not that I expect them to to understand why I don't like it, but like I think it helps inform their own sensibilities if they understand why it would be annoying to someone to hear like Panic at the Disco, who uses like auto tune on everything, and then they they make it so that like literally the chorus is the same every single time. It is identical because that is the hook. They need you to hear it exactly the same way. And then there's the Millennial Whoop and everything, and you're like Millennial Whoop. And I'll just straight up tell them, like, no, we're not doing this. Not in my car. Like, <laughs> you know, you wanna... when you get your own car, you can listen to whatever the heck you want. Yeah. It's like, no, I can't handle it. I, I and there are times, of course, I'll let them listen, but it's like, you can't, I can't handle, handle the truth. <laughs> I can't handle this. And my youngest, I have tried, I, my oldest, I know she does have some music that I listen to that she likes. My youngest, she can't do it. She's, um, she's nine. She'll be 10 in uh, June. Um, she can't do it. Like, it has to be her music or she's not interested. And there are a few songs like smoke on the water and stuff that she likes, but she won't admit, but it's, um, it, she won't admit it. And it drives me nuts. Cause it's like, if you like smoke on the water, clearly there's something about this song that you like. And I'll try to break it down for her, like what's going on here so that she'll understand that this is similar to some other piece of music. She's not interested in. And that she might, check, she might want to check it out. And then she's like, no, I don't like it because it's not from a video game or, wonder, you know. I, so I know that people will experience music differently. Sure. And the and I think that one of the things that we as musicians do is we experience it in an active way where they're more passive. The The average listener is listening with a with a passive feel to it. And so it kind of makes sense that they're not as invested as we are into getting something from the music. To them, I, I still can't understand how anybody can hear music as background noise. I, I walk through the mall and I hear the song and I'm like, I'm either enjoying I know, it. I've been known like, to, I've been known to like start singing while I'm like going yeah. throwing through the, uh, uh, the store, you know. And yes, when I shop, I don't shop, I troll. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a terrible, terrible chore when it comes to shopping, and and um, you know, I've been as you know, I watch a lot of things. I watch this thing, All Things Must Pass, 
it's an interesting documentary about uh, the rise and fall of of record stores. And for um, to be more specific, um, what was the big record store? Uh, Tower Records. Tower Records. And how Tower Records kind of, you know, was an accidental thing and and grew and grew and grew, um, and then, of course, imploded. But Tower Records is still huge, believe it or not, overseas. It's still huge in Japan, so to speak. So, um, I uh, as I was watching it, same thing as as what's going on right now. <clears throat> we have we have um, graduations. I think it's the lamest thing on the planet that now graduations are going to be online graduations. Wow, how sad, right? And and I feel sad for the kids that are going through it. I don't feel sad that it's happening. I feel sad that that the kids are going through that because they can't graduate with their friends. They're graduating online with their friends. And it and it separates Jim, us. What do you that have much to, more? What do you have to do if your kid doesn't care? Well, there's that. Well, I, that, I, I'm just saying. I mean. when, when I was a kid, I could have given two craps if I went to my graduation because the graduation didn't mean anything to me. As long as I got but my see, diploma, no, I didn't care. Okay, that that's a difference. All right, your your friend has a birthday party, doesn't invite you, didn't care. The, <laughs> okay, but, Still don't but care. The, <laughs> you had to have some friends. Uh, yeah, anyway. I had like four. Yeah, and <laughs> we all three, did that. Maybe three at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, we just lost one. When when uh, I just lost all my friends, it doesn't matter. None of my friends listen to this stuff. Yeah. When when uh, what friends? <laughs> no, actually, I do have friends that listen. Yeah. To this. Anyway, so so um, <clears throat> if your friend invites you to a birthday party, for the most part, this is most people okay. <laughs> if your friend invited you a birthday party, you didn't want to go. That's one thing, but if they don't invite you, then then that's a different thing. It's just like right now, you, the kids who want to go to those graduations don't have a choice. They don't have the choice of doing that. It's just like when we when we experienced music when when back then, not everybody had ten dollars or whatever for a record album. So we had to we either had to pool our money or go to a friend's house who was getting the record album. And so the experience of that music, that first time, that that listening experience with, was with what we talked about earlier in episode, like-minded people who, you know, who enjoyed or expected to enjoy what they were about to get. And then we sat and we critiqued it together. And sometimes there was, there were this thing called radio stations, folks. <laughs> I know most of you have heard of those. I'm just joking. Um. They used to do on a weekend, they'd have a big album. Like if Led Zeppelin was dropping a big album, they'd do a whole album reveal. One time, one shot. You got to listen to the whole album on the on the radio. Last time I heard about that happening, that I, you know, and it may have happened after that, but that I heard about was Pink Floyd, Momentary Lapse of Reason. Or the Division Bell. Sorry, Division Bell. So it was the mid-90s, right? Early to mid-90s. So I got to hear the Division Bell in its entirety on a radio station. And I sat with my friends and listened to it and we critiqued it. But the thing is that now it, we, we've, we've lost connectivity and I don't know. I, I'm, it makes me sad. It just makes me literally sad that, that we're losing that. Well, 
so the social experience of listening to an album the first time is is definitely um that's something i think that might be uniquely your generation and i and i i want to kind of i want to kind of start with talking about um graduation first off so i went to my graduation um i didn't want to um i didn't even go to my prom like to put it in perspective like i didn't I, the thought never even occurred to me that i would want to go to that um and i had people when they were asking me like are you going to prom no and then they would be like oh, are you okay what like uh, what, what the hell is that supposed to mean followed by me being like why would it matter well you're gonna regret it later in life uh i'm 35 years old now and i still don't regret it uh i'm like complete I honestly like other than conversations like this, it has never come up and never even been a thing in my mind that like, Oh, I didn't do that. Um, I didn't bring up the prom, but okay. <laughs> well, no, but I'm just saying it's a connect. It's a graduation connected thing. Right. But, but to um, put it in perspective, you know what song was for my prom? Stairway to heaven. Just letting you know. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. So here's the, here's the, here's the best part, right? Um, graduation. I like tried to get out of graduation. My mom was like, uh, she's like, well, we got, you know, we got to get you ready for graduation like a week or two before or whatever. And I was like, I'm not going. And she's like, you too, you are too going. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't have any desire to go. And she says to me, and this is what made me realize what it was really about. And this is why I'm bringing this up. My mom says to me, no, you're going. I've put up with this for four years and I want to watch you walk across the stage. And then it dawned on me, this isn't for me. This is for her. And the graduation ceremony was for my parents, not for me, which is why I went. Um, prom would have been for me and I didn't give a crap. So I didn't go. Uh, and, you know, like that's that's it's just the way I am. I've never been the person that wanted to go to the party like that just doesn't do anything for me. Um I, I, but Jim, I don't drink like that. None of this stuff. I, I don't participate in normal human activities. I'm basically an alien in a human body. That's, that's what I've determined over my, over the years of my life is that I'm somehow yeah. like this weird thing. That's not this anomaly. That's not supposed <clears throat> to happen. Um, and it's not, uh, look, look, you guys have all heard me talk. I ramble and ramble and ramble on the show. I have yeah. no problems being a social person. Uh, I, I'm not a particularly social person actually. Um, but uh, those things just never have really done much for me. Um, I never felt left out. Uh, and, and in all honesty, I kind of felt like when I was in high school, at least like I was friends with pretty much everybody. There was no real like line I wouldn't cross. Um, I didn't have any very many close friends because I didn't let that happen. It was like, well, I don't really like these people all that much. I kind of know where they come from in a social cast thing, and it just didn't do anything for me. So now, put the brakes on all that, right? So that's that's where I'm coming from in, in terms of this. But as far as social media or social music is concerned, um, uh, so I was always like – I was the one bringing the music to my friends. Uh, and maybe that's like an incorrect way of characterizing, but that's the way it always felt. And I would buy a record or I would get actually I would get a record as a gift because 50 remember when you guys were kids and you're buying an album, it's like a couple bucks, like three dollars, you know, or you'd get a single. Um, I get singles once in a while, which were still a thing on CD. You could buy like a two dollar single or a three dollar single, um, which it was attractive to me because I could get mom to pay three dollars for me to get a single. 
They were I 75 cents when I was a kid. I couldn't buy an album most of the time because most of the albums I wanted were like 15 or $17 because you couldn't get them at every record store. Um, or, or you get them at Walmart and they'd be read, edited for content or whatever. Um, we did the new metal episode recently. Uh, obviously it was buying a lot of new metal and that kind of stuff. And it just wasn't a thing that was, um, you weren't going to find some of the more obscure stuff I was listening to at, you know, Walmart, which is the place I frequented. Very rarely did I get to make a trip to Best Buy. And even then Best Buy at that point was already starting to peter out on records. They really weren't carrying everything. Um, so I got maybe five or six CDs a year, um, which I'm sure to some folks that's like, like an embarrassment of riches. But the thing was, I was always getting stuff that was like bad. Uh, I can't tell you the amount of albums I bought. Like, Oh yeah, I, was, I really like this band. I like their songs on the radio and I buy the album and it would be some, it would be like um, their next album, which didn't really have anything good on it. And I always seem to get the shaft that way. It was really bad. Um, but I can remember a couple of CDs that I got that I was like really excited about and I shared them with other people. And we of course had our, you know, our little discussions about what was going on there. Um, we weren't really analyzing the music. I think the way that your generation probably did when they'd sit down with a Pink Floyd record or when like a new Judas Priest album would come out. I've heard about, you know, people talking about that kind of stuff. And of course, uh, the metal guys would sit down with Slayer and those kinds of things and talk about what was going on in those records. We never really had that. My generation did have magazines. And I can remember that the cool kids had like hit parader and stuff and they would talk about the bands and they knew all the names of the people. But I can remember like 10, 12 years old. I couldn't tell you who the lead singer and X band was. I didn't know any of that. Like I, I unless I had their album, I didn't know because in their album, I could look at the liner notes. Um, now, I don't want it. I don't want this to come off. Like I was sitting at a party of 12 people or something. no two or this three was people. Usually a small group of three to Yeah three to the biggest i think was five people um a couple of them were smoking a joint a couple of them were drinking i wasn't a drinker you know, i wasn't a smoker G jim do you I, know do you know what the difference is though no. the walkman yeah our, our our generation where we consumed probably 90 percent of our music at at like the teenage age wasn't it home sitting in front of the hi-fi it was on the bus through a pair of headphones by ourselves. Yeah. yeah, where we would get one or two kids would have a boom box and they would sit in the back of the bus. And that was before that, it was a little it was a little radio. We'd have yeah. the transistor radios. It was a big deal to have a transistor radio when I was a kid. They were expensive. I know. Um so uh if I I want to put this this other thing in perspective. So let's say, the, like, I as you were talking about the liner notes thing. So I remember when Sticks Grand Illusion came out, and we <clears throat> we had been listening the weekend before, the somewhere close to that, we had been listening to ELO, um, and said, "Oh man, ELO's gone disco." Blah blah blah. They had just put it, and so we were looking forward to this Grand Illusion. Grand Illusion was. And it is. I think it's probably a lot of people like other Sticks albums. I think that's that was the the milestone for Sticks. But anyway, the Grand Illusion hit, and I heard all those chords to "Angry Young Man." I heard just Tommy Shaw blaring, blasting through chords, every freaking note, every whole note was another chord. Just he was all over the place. And regardless of the fact that that there was some repetition in it, that was just amazing to me. 
to listen to that. And I, and I, I, as I sat and listened to it, um, you know, we were like, who is, who's doing this? Who's doing that? And we sat and we read the liner notes and it was something that then later, that was something every time I got an album, I would read every single person who produced it, who played guitar, who played keyboards, who played this, who played that. That doesn't happen as much anymore. I know nobody cares. I can't tell you, you who know produced what, back half then the I records could, I've listened to. I can bet you back then nobody cared either. Just a few of us were looking at this stuff going, oh, man. And I re- I remember seeing John Mutt Lang when I was at four and four. John Mutt Lang. Who the hell's John Mutt Lang? Didn't I see him at something else? And I lifted him. Oh, my God, he was on ACDC. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, my God, he did Highway to Hell and he did uh, Back in Black. I was like, man, this guy. Um, it was just. These things that, as I as I um, as I got a little older and as I got a little, you know, I wanted to meet these people. I wanted to know what they were doing. I wanted to hear about them. I wanted to read about them. I wanted to to absorb a lot of what they did and knew and and um, were about, <clears throat> you know. And so, um, I just I think that it's because I had this drive, and there were other kids. Not a lot of us. But other kids that had this drive, I had that that small group of close friends you're talking about. I had that three to five kids, close knit. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna bust the whole world open type kids, and we we enjoyed the heck out of our, each other's company and stuff. And I, I didn't want to go to graduation. I didn't want to go to well. I didn't really want to go to prom. Um, you know, I took the girl that wound up being my wife. Prom. Um, so I. I you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did because, you know, it's kind of a cool story to tell your yep, kids. Yep. Yep. You know, that you took your mom, their mom to the prom um, type thing, you know, but I never got my picture taken for the yearbook. I I was one of those kids that ducked out. The only picture of me in a yearbook is with the track team. That's it. Yeah. I, I so that's another thing. So like my mom pushed me to participate in a lot of the stuff that I just didn't care about. Um, I think part of it was because. I was always very odd in school. And I think it was more or less like, I always felt like uh, I got along with my teachers better than I did the students. And I think it was because I saw eye to eye with the teachers. Like I could identify with the fact that they were there to make money. And I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to call it out. Um, And there were a couple of times it got, my mouth got me in trouble. I had a teacher that I used to have us grade everybody else's paper. Um, Like we do a quiz at the beginning of class and then we pass it to our neighbor and then we grade their quiz and one day I finally said, you know, can we stop doing this? And they're like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, can we stop doing your work for you? And he's like, maybe you, <laughs> should, take, he's like, maybe you should take a walk down to the Dean. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm just saying, you know, my parents do pay your salary and I don't think this is a good use of that money. And <laughs> yeah, well, you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> I, I believe I actually did get a Dean's pass for that, but I, but I got sent to the Dean's office and I got to the Dean that, you know, everybody loved to deal with because he could just be like, what would you do if you were in my position? <laughs> and then yeah. he would just be, all right, I get it. Go back to class. <laughs> I, I I actually find that funny. Uh, I, I was uh, I was a really good student. Uh, I was a terrible student and a good student. I didn't take notes. I hated homework. I told my my teachers, I said, I do enough here. I don't need to take this crap home. And they were like, well, I said, look, you don't milk 400 cows a day and throw bales, <laughs> do all that crap. I have to come here, do the same crap you do, 
and then go home and do more crap than and you work ever a full time so job. Yeah, don't tell me about all the papers you've got to grade until midnight tonight while you're sitting up drinking scotch or smoking a, do- a doobie. Because I've got to go home, milk. I when I say four hundred, I milk two hundred in the morning, two hundred in the evening. I got to go home, milk two hundred head of cattle, bed them down, take care of the calves, bed them down, go into the house, eat my dinner, and then at some point do the stupid crap you're handing me that is nothing but repetitive bullshit. I don't need to sit down and do the same problem 14 times. Don't tell me that because I'm doing 13 times two and 16 times seven is different. So it's, it's the clear. same friggin' thing. So it's clear that Jim used music as an escape. <laughs> yes. You had and I used music else. as an, That's exactly right. And music was the only way I could calm my jets and I could cool things down. I could take it into. So we live in a world where music competes with strange stuff. Because back then, like yeah. music, when, when it was competing for your time, what it compete for? It competed from like for like you reading a novel, or it competed for you like maybe watching one of the one of the two or three evening programs on television. Um, yeah, because you were like you were in high school what in the seventies. Yeah, so I mean, was I going to watch Mork and Mindy, or was I going to listen to Pink Floyd? Right, right. Uh, so to, it was Mork and Mindy. And Pink Floyd. <laughs> today, today's kids, and I'm not just talking about me, but today's kids have. They can watch streamers on YouTube. They can watch YouTube, uh, like you know, prepared content. They can watch, or they can read a book, which I do know that kids still read. That that is a thing. Um, they can watch a movie. They can That's watch right. cable TV twenty four hours a day. Um, they can. I, there's all these other opportunities for music, and I think it's compelling that music still is a thing in our culture. But it's no secret that music has taken a back seat to all this other entertainment media that's available to people. It, for free or the cost right. of an internet connection. It scared it has scared the crap of out of me. That is only only of me that I no longer have those those things anymore. There are no more light bulb moments of oh my god, look at look at this album because I have nobody. I have nothing that it would be so I have become a consumer of all of this crap, these YouTube channels. Yep. I watch, I somehow in my day and night, and it's usually either in the shower while I'm brushing my teeth or comb my hair while I'm taking a crap. Yeah. Really, Jim? Really? <laughs> yeah. You need to wipe down your uh, laptop for feces, my friend. You're watching. <laughs> no, I believe me, it all happens before I wash my, or before I sit down and after I wash my Chocolate hands. Monkey. I'm just saying. I put it right up there. I literally have it in front of me with a speaker behind my head <laughs> watching that pedal show or 60 cycle. Uh, or, uh, no, that pedal I mean, show. No, I know. I can't do I know. it. I'm just, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. It was, it was boring the hell out of me. They, they're really starting to get that. They, they, they're taking out all their content that they had in the, in the crapper that they weren't going to show anyway. And now they're showing you, it to us. And it's like, do you know what, you know what that pedal show is good? No, good if you really need to focus on work, just turn on that pedal show. It, yep. It'll put your it'll, if you're working from home, it'll put your mind right at ease. You'll be back at work in yep. no time. Because yep, because that if you pay attention to it, boy, hell yeah. But anyway, <sighs> the point that I'm making is that that it's like if I'm doing that, my kids they cannot go any amount of time without YouTube no, or no Twitch. It's terrifying. My son has a Twitch jacket. <laughs> It's terrifying, man. It's terrifying. Um, 
So here's uh here's the the uh insane social commentary on all of this. So not only are they exposed to all different kinds of media that aren't necessarily reflective of things like music and culture that we would have had back then, um, that I think are actually so like you're in that interesting period when let me you're let me like the bridge some, between yeah. cla- what I would consider to be classical culture and right. like modern culture, modern culture, and we're in so like let me, let me modern put, culture. Yeah, let me put one more thing. When you when when I was a teen and before. Okay, even even into my adulthood, I was while I was in the Navy. Okay, my bell hadn't been broke up, so the phones you owned or or that were in your home, you didn't own them. Yeah, you that phone hanging on the wall belonged to the phone company. Yeah, you paid a monthly fee to have it, and that's why there was one. And if you were one of the rich kids, I'm putting air quotes, folks, one of the rich kids, you might have had two. You might have even had a second line because the rich, really rich kids had a second line so the daughter could have her own number or the son could have his own number. But for the most part, you had one phone, okay? So you weren't on the phone texting, calling. You weren't doing anything on the phone. Well, mom and dad gave you that hour or 20 minutes that they gave you to be able to talk on the phone. I remember my mother screaming at me, get off the phone with your girlfriend. We had a party line. I grew up in a party line. Four families share the same phone number effectively, all right? So you, I couldn't – my cousins, my aunts, my my grandmother, my grandfather couldn't get or send a call if I was on it. That <laughs> That's real stuff, okay? And guess how many Guess how many TVs you typically had in the house? One. Well, if Maybe. that. If that. <laughs> yeah. You had the television that was the family's. Maybe two, because because everything back then, and I lived in a small town in upstate New York. So the um, and I'm talking about real upstate New York people. Don't you New York City people? If you start telling me Newburgh is upstate, I'm going to slap you. I'm talking about upstate, not upstate. I went upstate this weekend. Yeah. I I went 20 minutes went outside the of ma- city. Basically, what they should say is I went to the mainland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't don't hand me that kind of crap. So. I'm in upstate New York, you know, Albany is low state New York to me. So anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in upstate New York in, up in the Adirondacks. My, um, you know, you were lucky if you could get two of the three channels. <laughs> and so, you know, you would try to get a little TV, you know, you'd be like, trying to get things in, standing on your head, you know, just trying to watch Mork and Mindy or, you know, Saturday Night Live. And, and so, I'm just, just to put that in perspective, folks. Just to just to put that in, you not only were you not competing, the pretty much music was only competing for your time with like books and magazines, and that little time you had with the TV, or that little time you had with the, um, you know, on the phone. It, it was very little, few things that it had to compete with. So music was music was your YouTube back then. You had a radio on at work. Does anybody remember going to the going to the office and there was always an office radio going on some channel uh, that only one person liked? Now, now companies don't do it because they're afraid that people are going to fight over the music selections. And I've actually seen it happen. That's yeah. And so now we're we're so can you can you imagine why there's so many people that feel that they're entitled? Sure, because they are. 
because they are. And and this is also kind of like what's led into the let's not pay for the the uh, culture kind right. of thing. Like I, because you can go on YouTube and get everything for free. Like people don't pay for anything anymore. Um, and I really think that this is part of the reason that uh, music is like that that performance music, meaning people actually performing it is starting to collapse. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody today and I think, I think it's worth discussing as we, as we do our out on the show. Cause I think we're, we're hitting our uh, close to two yeah. hour mark. Um, I had a conversation with somebody about a tribute band and what a tribute band is. And I, my, my conversation was about a tribute band for a band that no longer exists. And it's not important what the band is. Cause it's not, that's really not relevant to the conversation at all anyway. Um, but I was saying basically like these people exist like classical musicians to continue to perform music that is now esoteric and doesn't exist anymore. And right. for you to like poo poo it because they're a tribute band is basically saying that like that level of culture that, or that moment in time is not important or relevant enough to actually right. like have people interested in seeing it. Now, the fact that this tribute exactly. band exists and they tour should probably tell you that you're wrong because there obviously is enough money there for it to be a successful endeavor for somebody um right but the, essentially we should remember that when you see a tribute band on a bill um especially for a band that no longer exists uh we should treat that like a classical music performance it is a it is a throwback to a moment in time um when right. something was going on now i'm not talking about tribute acts like a little kiss where you've now taken it and kind of made a mockery of it by like making a silly joke out of it and that's their yeah. right they can do that if they want or um, we've had a little Ozzy on the show. That's I should probably pick on them more appropriately. But like this is similar concept they were, where they they were actually good <laughs> where they use a concept to sell right. something to bring people in and, and uh, like more power to them. Right. Like if that's what you want to do. Um, but my point is that like at some point, some future generation is going to look back at some of the music that we perform today and say, I want to see that performed live in the way they did it originally. Um, and that's why tribute bands exist. It's like the lowest form of that. It hasn't gotten to the point where it's like a classical music performance, but I want to shed some light on that whole side of the scene because I thought it was an interesting con conversation in context. So classical musicians, um, what a lot of people don't realize is when you go to your typical orchestra performance, a lot of times the instruments are actually different than what they originally performed the music on. So for example, um, they use different length instruments for like stringed instruments at different times. They may have been tuned differently. Um, oftentimes, most of the music performed today was not done, especially um, stuff prior to Bach's era, which some of that stuff does get performed from time to time, um, would, would have been Pythagorean tuning, which means that it, it wasn't um, in what we call standard temperament or equal temperament, right. which we use today, which is a very different sound. Um, and there are instruments that literally people don't know how to play anymore. Um, the serpentine is a good example. So it's, it's kind of like a contrabassoon. It's this big, big instrument and, uh, it gets used in Wagner stuff and it gets used in some other things, but it was like, not a, it's not used in everything. And so the knowledge of how to play it has largely been lost. Um, there are a few players in the world who can play a serpentine. And so you will find, um, you will find that like, there are movements in classical music circles to perform music that is largely thought to be unperformable um, because, you know, a lot of the methods and the thoughts behind how it functioned are essentially lost to us, except for historians. 
And I can definitely see a day when you go to see a Hendrix tribute act in 75 years to experience what music in the 1960s was like. Um, and we already have that movement in classical music. So it's not, um, I don't foresee that that's going to disappear. In fact, um, we actually have some of that movement in jazz, uh, especially with jazz vocalists. Um, there are several people that emulate Frank Sinatra that people go to for the historicity of the performance more so than the fact that they like the music. Um, and I think we, we could be headed in that direction eventually too. It's just, um, I would like to see us like to keep modern music alive and keep rock and roll and things like that evolving. I don't want to see us become, um, obviously this show is a guitar show. So we talk about all forms of guitar, but, um, Jim and I tend to be rock and roll kind of people and rock and pop and that kind of stuff. I don't want to see us become esoteric like the blues community sort of has where they really haven't evolved the state of music in, in blues that much farther than what it was in the fifties and sixties. And you can like, so as an indicator of that, somebody like Robin Trower comes out and they do a blues record, right? What do they call it? They call it blues rock. And we never really stepped beyond that blues thing. Like once you start to deviate with tradition, you're no longer blues anymore. Your blues rock right um and that's i guess what i'm getting at here is that um we need to keep evolving the state of our music so that we don't become um esoteric that way but at the same time we also we also need to take time out to acknowledge our principles in our past and so um if that means that <coughs> excuse me if that means a future generation wants to go to a live music performance somewhere and see somebody perform something that simply doesn't exist anymore more power to them don't don't uh don't pee in their wheaties it's not worth your time yeah so um i think a lot of people and in, in this conversation today with this gentleman um i think that struck a chord with him i don't think he had ever thought about like tribute bands and that and that kind of perspective i think people tend to think of those as like lesser imitations of mortals and here's the here's the thing i wanted to put to you jim and i know this has been a really long Waited conversation to get to this point but my argument with him was people who don't like tribute bands spend more time worried about the people involved than they do about the songs that were written right and i don't think there's a right or wrong way to approach that but i think it's a worthy conversation to actually evaluate that yeah i think that's i think that's really um a good way to look at it the the hardest thing I think people have, or the hardest acceptance part of a tribute band sometimes is that either they don't look the part. I, I saw an ACDC tribute band where Angus Young was six foot two. Um, <laughs> it, you know, but they were good. And you just kind of got to, after a couple of songs, you get over it. It's just like the little Ozzy thing. It was, oh, he's little Ozzy. But then it was like, wow, these guys are really good and they're dead on and he is singing those songs right you know it wasn't sub lip syncing joke and uh which is what little kiss is by the way and so is um not little ozzy but there's a there's an ozzy small person that does that yeah lip syncs and it's kind of a joke and and the guy who did little ozzy was asked to join little kiss believe it or not yeah i know and he said you guys lip sync are you kidding me um so he was like yeah i'm out um so there's that. 
<clears throat> the the point that I'm trying to make is, um, and I think that you you made it well, is that we don't care what the people sitting in orchestra pits look like when we're listening to Bach or Beethoven or Chopin or, you know, um, some of them are based in the in the musician or I mean in the I should say the composer era. Some of them are based on the era, like Baroque or you know that that type of thing, and then some are based on other stuff. What I've, what, um, what I've seen has been that there are there are tribute bands that are international. The the Pink Floyd Experience, for example, yeah, the Australian Pink Floyd show. Yep, they they come from Australia, and so we've got to. We've got to realize that there are there are um, there are people who are trying to maintain history, you know. Yeah, and there are people who are trying to hold on to history, and I think there's a difference maintaining it and realizing it's there and and learning from it. Those are the people that are that are doing the good um, and yeah, the great. I, I think the difference is respect. So, like when you're right. trying to um, maintain it. I think what you're trying to say is like somebody who's trying to like maintain an income on it or to try and like keep it alive rather than rather than yeah. to understand it's on mothballs, but there's still you right. know historical value here. Um, right. So like I, the band I was talking about today was because uh, it actually is relevant to this part of the conversation is uh, the musical box, which is a Genesis <laughs> tribute band. But the cool right. thing about musical box is they actually play all the period instruments and all of the period gear um, right down to like the super esoteric, like there's only three of them in existence kind of synthesizers and stuff like that. Um, right. And when you stop and you consider like how they actually pull that off and yep. I, I mean, I, I went to a show, so there's a live album they did. And one of the machines that they used to do the live album is, is like not functioning during the show <laughs> in the, on the, on the album. And it did the same thing live. And they were complaining about it on stage, just like they did on the record. I'm going, this has got to be fake. Like, no, it literally just was not working properly. And they were having the same problem because that was part of it here. So that is part of the historicity of rock and roll. And people have to remember, um, I think we get, I think especially modern people tend to get wrapped up in this whole, like, I, what I call the post Nirvana subculture, which is like rockers on stage in a, you know, in a t-shirt and jeans maybe a flannel shirt right. or something like that. Like there's nothing, there's nothing visual going on there that you're interested in or that anybody's really interested in. There's no laser light show. Right. There's no smoke and mirrors. They might smash their stuff at the end of the set, but that's because they're angry, not because it's like a visual thing. Um, yep. I think that the prior generation was more interested in the visual side of it and saw it more as a performance art. And I think that that generation, the Nirvana and post generation doesn't see that at all. And they kind of freak out when they see it, which is why they make fun of things like black metal and basically any of the, like the costume oriented type music or the things that rely on some sort of like uh, visual motif. And I think that that's a big reason why the era of music, you know, prior to Nirvana is so important. And we have tribute bands for it because it's almost like vaudeville in a way, like it's a right. lost art people have forgotten that there was a visual component to this music. They thought it was just an album that we listened to in the dark. And yeah, no. so much of it was not that like it was the, it's the complete opposite of that. 
Um, so many of these bands you got to see in a festival. I mean, we're talking about bands that toured like 280 days a year. You know, they were off the road yeah. for like three months a year, and that was to record an album and do press. And then they were, and then they were back on the road. Yeah. They might get a couple of meals with their their families, and they were back on the road. Yeah, I mean, when you look at when you look at bands like ACDC or you look at bands like uh, uh, Pink Floyd, they they just lived the Who. Yeah, and think about the Who and all the stuff they did. I mean, it was um, Led Zeppelin. It just a just a daunting thing, you know. And night after night, I'd look at their their. Um, you know, they're tour t-shirts. Two albums a year from like, some of these bands. Two albums a yeah. year. Yeah. You're lucky if you get two I mean, albums just, in a decade from some of our modern bands. Look at Tool. Yeah. Look at Tool. One of the most lauded bands in history. Didn't put out an album for like 14 years. Yeah. I mean, how is yeah. that even possible? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, again, it's a, it's a different... Um, it's it's the different uh, mindset. People today do not right. care about live music. All they're concerned with is can I buy it on a record and can I play it in my car? And there was yeah, and there was a difference between one of the things you, that uh, the producers for Jimmy Ray, Jimmy uh, or Stevie Ray Vaughan was that you know, and a lot of the musicians. I'm just giving him as an example. Was how do we capture this lightning in a bottle in a in a studio? The Jackson Brown, where he's got. No, no, I'm talking about Jimmy or Stevie Ray Vaughan. Just talking about the fact that they wanted. I thought to... he produced one of his records. That's why I was bringing. Him oh, did he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That first album. Actually, his producer produced the first album. He just loaned out his. Uh, uh, yeah, his, well, um, he, they, yeah. There's some debate about that. His studio. Uh, yeah, it was his studio, but there was some debate about how involved he actually was in that production. Um, yeah. Well, regardless of whether he was involved or not, the point is he was trying to capture whoever the, the producer was. Was trying to capture that lightning in a bottle, that that Stevie Ray Vaughan live sound. So they had to let him crank his amps. They had to let him, you know. It was like, all right, we're going to put you behind fourteen baffles, or whatever it was. And it went, but they did it live in the studio, and it was what a week, two weeks, and that was it. That's all they got in the studio. Um, yeah, and then it was mixed down. Richard and, Mullen, by the way, that album. Um, Texas Richard Blood. Mullen. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's an incredible album. Go back and listen to it. Probably one of my favorite blues albums of all time um, for, for post blues blues. I don't know. Post I wish his blues. guitar. I don't know what you'd call it. I wish his guitar in that record sounded like it did live. Cause uh, that's the only reason I don't like yeah. that record is cause I don't think his guitar sounds that great on it. I, yeah, I, that was I, the, I, that was total the, blasphemy. You can come and hunt me down. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love the album. I love the album. Good album. I, that. Yep. That one. And could, uh, what's, couldn't what's stand the, the couldn't stand the weather. That's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you take you take a listen to those records, um, those early ACDC records, where all they did was take the same gear they played live, plug it in and go. And and there was a certain energy in that. And it was a certain, you know, and I think, well, next week we're going to try to do the, the video thing, right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to. So next week, um, you guys may not see this. We're going to do a test of a video podcast next week. And Jim and I are going to go back and forth this week and talk about the logistics of how we're going to make that happen. Uh, we are committed to uh, doing what we're going to say or say we're going to do to our um, Patreon subscribers. So, and I bet by saying what we're going to do, uh, we're going to torture them. Uh, we're going to uh, <laughs> waterboard them. And then we're going to subject them to listening to Wagner at insane volumes for hours on end while being naked in a, in a darkened room. 
This is how we treat yeah. our Patreon subscribers. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash practical guitars. Um, we also have a Facebook group. We encourage you to join. We have all kinds of fun stuff. Um, we have a Threadless store. You can search for it on Threadless as practical guitarist and you will find us. And we have a couple of designs, include our logo and the uh, pyramid of tone t-shirt. Um, and uh, we got Jim and me. I mean, I, that's not really a great asset. I don't yeah. think, but um, some people beg to differ, well, but whatever. <laughs> I think they're wrong. <laughs> um, I think one of the things I want to talk about next week is that, that whole live versus recorded thing. And at that, that feeling, what I what I what I would like to ask everybody to do this week: pick a song, sit down with a friend, one friend, maybe maybe that friend is your kid, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your whatever. It can be like this, like David David and I are doing right now, and listen to a song and talk about it. Talk about what you love about it. I do it with Jim, but Jim won't listen to the music I listen yeah, to. Yeah, I do. I, I didn't even get a chance to talk about the first time I heard Joe's Garage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that is a, a story. That's a topic for another conversation. That is a story. Not only do we have to have it at a different time, but that is a Patreon story. Because I got, I got some stuff that only the Patreon right, subscribers right. can hear on that one. All right. Well, uh, I've been David. Carol, and I've been Jim. <laughs> and, and tonight, Jim has been... <laughs> Frank Zappa and a practical guitarist. Yeah, man. Yeah.